Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable Show. This is episode 610. We normally record this at 10.30, but we've got a special guest, and he asked me to move it a bit later, and I, f- I thought I'd better. We've got Rand Fishkin joining us. Um, Rand, thank you for joining us on as a special guest. Hopefully. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. It's it's 10.30 where I am, so hopefully that counts. Yes, well, it's the same time zone for me. So, um, we've got the normal panel. I'm going to let them introduce themselves, and then we've got some great stories, and we'll get into it. First of all, Uncle Spencer, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the new listeners and viewers? I, I'm offended. I thought you were going to say it's a small but powerful panel today, but nevertheless, I also want to big a shout out. Um, <clears throat> turns out we have a, a big fan of the show. So big hi to Doug Ryder, Doug Ryder, a big fan of the show who I, I found out through a third party actually is listening to the show on a regular basis. All right. There we go. Hello, Doug Ryder. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can find me at WP Launchify otherwise. Oh, there we go. And uh, I've got Andrew Palmer. Andrew, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Andrew Palmer. I, uh, I'm a digital advocate, investor, and a golfer. And currently, I'm working with Gridpane, who help you smash your hosting problems. And uh, I love them. So that's great. I also develop plugins as well for WordPress. He's, so, a, he's a multi-talented man. There we go. I've got my close friend, John Locke. John, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? I'm John Locke, SEO practitioner at LockdownSEO.com. I was going to introduce Heather, but um, she's done a run already. I think she works, um, Rand, she works for the U.S. Uh, Air Force, uh, um, and she's a, a VC. I, I think they probably already called uh, the White House, so that's why she's probably uh, had to disappear for a second. So hopefully she will return. Um, obviously, Rand, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to this to some viewers? Oh, sure. Yeah, uh, so I... Let's see. I run a company called Spark Toro, which is in the audience intelligence space. Um, I, I founded and ran a company before this called uh, Moz that a lot, a lot of folks are familiar with and um, wrote a book called Lost and Founder. Yes, it's excellent. I highly recommend it. I read it or I listened to it on audio books. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought you did an excellent job there. Uh, um, before we go into the main stories that we're going to be discussing in this episode, uh, um, or in the show, I want to talk about our spot major sponsor, that's Castos. Castos is, um, if you're looking to get into podcasting, which I sincerely love, uh, um, you need a, a platform to host your audio files, produce your RS feeds, and do much more. Um I was using another well-known platform for a number of years. Castos came on. Um, also, Matt Medeiros, who's a friend of the show that does the Matt report, um, became their head of marketing and um, sales. And I thought, um, should look at it. I decided to jump ship. Um, they moved over 700 episodes to their platform. And it's just been fantastic. About half the price, it's got a really great interface and they're just great people. So if you're looking to get into that, um, I can only say you've made a great decision. If you do for yourself or for clients, please tell them that you heard about them 
on the WP Tonic show. It really helps the show and it helps them. So let's go into the stories. Um, we have a mixture as normal. I'm not sure if Rand's going to have much about this first one, but who knows? Um, I'm sure you have some insights. WordPress 5.8 field guides. So, Spencer, I'll start because, you know, 5.8 looks like it's going to be a big stepping stone in in the story, the ever-ending story of WordPress. What did you think of it? 5.8, 5.9, whatever it takes. It's fine. Um, it basically uh, is its way towards the finish line of the block editor. I think that's the only one that's consequential for most people. And, and like I said last week, surprisingly, I have started to open up and incline myself to recommending Gutenberg first because the conversation has now shifted to an enormous number, a surprisingly large number, of page builders. So we talked about it last week, but there's this entire industry of cloning the concept of two or three different types of page builders. And now there's not just one in each of those categories. There is a growing number. It's like up to 12 or 15. Or, and the whole point of this conversation, and I know Rand's going to talk about this, is you've got a birthday cake with multiple layers. The core layer is really where you need to be for the best performance. I mean, even I can't deny that. You have one layer and you add another layer of a page builder. That is one plus one is two. And so I think if Gutenberg can get its shit together, sorry for swearing so early in the show, then we're in a much better position because ultimately speaking, like less confusion, less feature creep, less like who do I team up with? Because many of these page builders are being very naughty in saying, I'm going to design a car that drives backwards on the highway because I can, even though all the other drivers are using, you know, the rules of the road. I've got to give you full marks, mate. I'll be watching your engagement with every lover of every Tom Deconary of a page builder. And my God, you, you don't mind taking the abuse. It's like it's like you've all committed a religious act of sacrilege. Sacri- you know, there's, there's this guy... Russell, uh, Russell Brand, right? I don't uh, try to be like him, but Russell Brand, I'll give him credit. He himself is a genius guy, I think, but he does not mind taking the piss out of anybody or getting the piss taken out of him because he's fully authentic. There are no skeletons in that dude's closet. And the way I see it in the WordPress world from day one is the way I was as an entrepreneur. I call it as I see it. It's factual-based. If you argue facts with me, I will bend over and give you a pony in public. I, I actually award people ponies. I gave Andrew and Vito two ponies. You've never given I'm me wrong. a pony. You've never given me a pony. You've never proven yourself right, and I'm wrong. Yeah, but I'm there you go. So, yeah, I know my position. It's only 15 uh, years. Yeah, it's only, 15, it's only 15 years we've known one enough. And that, I've never got a pony. That, yeah, but, hey, you know. listen, we're, we're still young. But I'm yeah. saying... There are certain people in the WordPress ecosystem and the internet world in general who play one face in public and one face in Mm. private. And I'm being realistic. That's my selling tool is argue the facts, argue not ad hominem attack at me, but the facts of what we're talking about. And there may be a chance that I may completely switch over to your side of thinking. And these page builder people are just cult members. Yes, it breaks this. Yes, it does this wrong. Yes, the rules are wrong. But I love it because of ABC. And then I go, well, A, B, and C are broken too. And then that's the end of the conversation. It's like politics, you know. There we go. On to Angie. What did you think of this, Angie? Oh, you're muted, Angie. You've got to unmute yourself. I was behaving myself. 
Um, the it's not just about the block editor or Gutenberg or anything. There's REST API changes. There's widget changes, which to go with Spencer is really going to muck up the page builder guys because they've been working hard to integrate widgets and short codes and all that kind of stuff. So that's going to go. But my favorite bit is um, my least favorite part of the, the the new WordPress or the you know recent WordPress where it says site health. That has caused us the most support queries ever. My site's ill. (laughs) And it's just crap and everything. And that's just basically, the site health is a a sales pitch for, guess what? Jetpack. Jetpack. (laughs) (laughs) So I I just, I hide that in all of our WordPress things. Now you can actually now amend it so that you can put in your own tabs and you can also put in your, don't worry about this. This is like optimum. If you want to pay $5,000 a month for your hosting, you know, all of these issues will be fixed. And we really don't want to install Jetpack on your particular site. We do install it on other people's sites, but it's fine. Uh, I, I won't yeah, t- so that's, I, my, that's my big takeaway. We can fix site, fix, uh, site health. But it's the, 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 the worst thing for page builders or the most problematic for page builders is going to be the widget area has changed to blocks. Basically. Right. So, Rand, as a kind of informed outsider, what do, what have you made of Gutenberg, this ongoing story in the WordPress community for the past three years that never ceases to end, Rand? You know. Yeah. So, uh, my perspective is while these incremental changes and bigger changes can seem frustrating, I think, to folks in, in the WordPress community, especially builders and developers and, and folks who, um, you know, make their living sort of relying on WordPress's base. At the same time, I, you know, I think that for consultants and agencies and WordPress developers, um, this ongoing increasing complexity is great job insurance, Right. <laughs> It, it really is. I look at my WordPress install and I'm like, ooh, I'm technical enough that I should be able to figure out all this stuff. And yet digging around is kind of a pain in the butt. And my wife, Geraldine, who you know is an award-winning author and, and runs a, a popular blog as well, she logs into WordPress and is like, what the F? Let me email my developers and pay them 600 more bucks to fix this thing or to look at this thing. So... I don't know. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I think for the average WordPress user, this is um, the, these challenges are are pretty um, frustrating. And I think it's kind of like Google Analytics, to be honest. I feel like they're serving more and more power users and listening to more and more power users and underperforming for amateurs, hobbyists, non-tech savvy folks, um, which is a little frustrating in that. WordPress's initial promise was the opposite. And so that sort of shifted over the years. Google Analytics, same way? Yeah. I've got to ask you this, just before I throw it over to John and Heather. Um, as an outsider, what do you make of our great leader? Uh, um, you know, the benevolent dictator, which he declares himself to the WordPress community. How do you make his style of leadership? Um, I, I mean, I... I have worshipped and believed in a lot of high-profile tech entrepreneurs over the years, and and sort of model, you know, wanted to model my career after them. And um, I, I don't do that anymore. I don't. I don't think I have any 
my my heroes all run small companies now. Yeah, I think that's a very diplomatic but insightful insightful insight. Actually, I, I can't name I can't name a good billionaire. I can barely name someone who is you know. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you who I think of is very high profile and a very high quality human being and quite wealthy and successful. And there's almost no one else. Uh, is is uh, Dharmesh Shah from HubSpot? All right, yeah. That that that's sort of where I kind of like. Well, is there anybody else that I could point to like that in in tech world? Dan from Gravity Payments, maybe. Ooh, I, I know him. Um, <laughs> I I want to send you a picture. I don't know how I would do that. Let let me. You know what? Is Come a, back to me in a second. Yeah, sure. I think there's a chat for you. Um, Spencer will assist you, my co-host. Uh, um, so, Heather, what do you think of this story? Um, I mean, I think that it's not, I mean, it's not a story. It's a user guide, but still the, <laughs> um, I mean, I think the idea is that, um, well, most people aren't even going to look through release notes. Um, but the thing that I noticed uh, that might be the most important um, as far as the things that I develop is that they've removed infinite scrolling. And um, it, infinite scroll has been the bane of a lot of people's existence uh, on the internet and has caused so much damage. And yet they have it in like the little, and and wait, there's more section. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, I, I think that like for all the other other things that are out there, um, all the things that they've done, the fact that they're removing something that's caused so much damage on the internet uh, in a little tiny, uh, just a little tiny, like, oh, by the way, this thing that we put in here that's causing the downfall of civilization, like, it's gone away. <laughs> there we go. So let's finish off with John. So what did you think of this, John? Um, things that are good that I like about this release is support for WebP. I don't have to add a function uh, to the function file anymore. Um, the square spacification of WordPress continues as blocks uh, go into the widgets mode and they're moving toward full site editing. Uh, we'll see. Maybe eventually it'll, it'll get to where they wanted it to be about two years ago. So... There we go. It staggers. Yeah. The story staggers on. And like I said, Rand, it keeps me um, housed and fed, keeping all this shit going, see, Rand? So there we go. It's all good, isn't it? So there we are. Uh, um, on to the next story. Uh, Google suggests a site appearance can impact rank ranking. Who would ever guess that? Who, you know, words of wisdom. From the Oracle of Google. There we go. Shock horror. So, Rand, I'm sure you'd be you're shocked with this terrific insight from Google. What do you think of this this article? Uh, the only the only announcement in the last five or six years from Google uh, that I really really loved and took to heart and thought was 100% accurate was uh, our public representatives do not have access to any of the data about how we build our ranking algorithms. Uh, they don't know what's in them. They don't know what's not in them. I like that. I thought that was a great announcement. Uh, I really take that to heart. And now every time there's a publication of, oh, someone from Google 
you know, the stories, unfortunately, um, as they're published are not, hey, here's something that, that um, this representative from Google, who Google has previously said doesn't know what's in the algorithm, here's something that they said on a Hangout. No, instead, it's Google says this impacts something. So, look, so is it, yeah, I think on. it's accurate. I think it's a truthful thing that the way your site looks uh, absolutely influences brand and how people think of you and how professional they think your your uh, business is and you know whether they think of you as a luxury brand or a or basic brand and all sorts of other things. And those things impact how people search for you and they impact how people click on you and they impact how people link to you. And all those things have impacts on ranking. But, you know, uh, is this an oh, we, got, we got somebody on this panel that, that thinks design is a total commodity. Now, I think he begins with a, his name Spencer. So they are Spencer, the man that declared that all web design was a, com- you know, didn't really matter anymore and it was all... Spencer, how can no? You can't. You know, uh, actually, I words in your mouth. Uh, uh, this it's a, sh- a shanta. Uh, here's the thing. I was discussing this. I was actually out your way. I was in the the valley. Yeah, you wouldn't beat me. I, I, I drove all and, the way to San and, Francisco. Uh, you still wouldn't beat me. I'm, you know, we'll tell the story of our almost encounter in California. But I was out there. I was discussing, and here's the thing. There was a time when the telephone companies convinced everybody that a text message cost them 25 cents or some fraction of that. And therefore, they needed to charge you and I a quarter for every text message. And there's currently a lot of other similar fairy tales floating around about the way things really work on a cost structure like Comcast and Xfinity and AT&T saying that, you know, cables that are already there cost them money to send more data. Because an infinite pipe costs incrementally more. My opinion is Google's racket is, quite frankly, constantly evolving the rules of the game to optimize people's need to chase them around like a dog chases its tail. And in this case, site rankings and AMP and all the other shenanigans we've seen do not necessarily need to exist because the internet experience is wrong or bad or affected, but rather if Google does not constantly change its algorithm, they don't any longer have the leverage to charge a premium for things that can get you over the hump. An example in a business model is Yelp. Yelp, oh, we can't do anything, Miss Shop Owner, about all those negative reviews unless you go to us and have us do something about that with your premium service. And I feel this is just another example of it. Quite frankly, almost everybody I know is on a mobile device that operates at speeds that are like, you know, into space and back in seconds. Nobody in the last year or two I've ever seen has said, gee whiz, my phone is so slow, I can't actually do anything, let alone a desktop. So I just call bullshit on this, constantly changing the algorithm, requiring everybody to run around and hire an expert and a specialist. And I know, Rand, this is not directed at SEO in general, but John and I have talked about this. This is like people who say, tune your 400 horsepower car to get 401 horsepower. It's We've already got plenty of it. And the fact that they're making people neurotic about changing your site's appearance is ridiculous. You know what I would rather see them talk about? is how about working on the user experience of your sales funnel or why it is that you ask people stupid things to do, like checking all these checkboxes 
Those kind of things annoy people no matter what the speed of the page is. But I've but isn't never that what they're talking about between the lines, though, Spencer. I mean, they're saying, you well, know, it's about, yes, if no, it's presentation, it's UX, isn't it? Yes, there is a truth to the overlap. I, I will admit to that. But what I'm saying is like when you go to the grocery store and you stand in line, the reason they're selling you people magazines and AAA batteries and chocolate is because they know you're you can see your car and you want to get out of there. So it's an impulse buy. Designing a website efficiently that visually does that is a real important thing versus forcing people to go back in the shop. But the difference between is it blue or purple or is the logo this big or is the header this much or is the, you know, the ranking of the speed one millisecond different? That's the esoteric part that I have trouble with because it doesn't seem to me in my experience to prove out in actual dollars and cents unless you're at the scale of an Amazon. Okay, you know, sure, for Amazon, a millisecond of time could be millions of dollars. But for most medium to small shop owners, I just don't see it. Rand's rolling his eyes, so I'm sure he has something to say about that. But like, it's just, there's like good enough, and then there's like optimized. And I think that the emphasis tends to be more on if you're not optimized to the nth degree that something's wrong. And then the clients see those dashboard things or the Google speed page results. Yeah, I'm going to throw it over to Rand because fundamentally Rand, when he came, it was generous to come back to be interviewed by me and um, Stephen. You know, publicly you've been saying, you know, you you need to build a brand. You know, a look look of a website is part of building a brand, isn't it? So I, I don't think you would totally agree with Spencer, would you? So... Well, so let's see. I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, there's there's three points that sort of stood out to me that you, that you made there, Spencer. So one of the points was, um, you know, Google makes regular changes to the algorithm in order to have people constantly chasing it um, in order to support and build up this industry of search engine optimization professionals or support them somehow. And that, I mean, in all my history of SEO, unless something changed in the last like two months, uh, Google really despises that the SEO industry exists. Not and the SEO industry to support their model of being relevant insofar as they're controlling the search algorithm. So they're saying the rules. In other words, it's it's like the cable companies own the cables. And so they continually tell you what the cost is or the cost structure or the value is versus using, I don't know, a wireless alternative. We can't break Google's monopoly, even though some other search engines have tried and done a good job. They're the only game in town. By constantly evolving the algorithm, they make themselves essentially the rule maker, the king maker, the deal maker. That's what I'm saying. Not that they're supporting, like, let's get people to make so money I, as consultants. So fundamentally, I would have to ask, what about a changing algorithm versus a static one um, is giving them kingmaker status? Like, why, well, like why that, is a more evolved, a faster evolving one? Like Las Vegas. One? So I used to be a gambling aficionado, went to Las Vegas. There was a guy, John Scarney, who in the 1940s figured out all the rules of the games and published essentially the odds and statistics of how to play. Scarney's rules on poker or craps made it possible for ordinary people to know the algorithm of how to play blackjack or craps more efficiently. As a result, the casinos found that more and more people understood the algorithm and the rules were able to succeed better against the house's disadvantage. Now, there's not a one-to-one ratio of Google making money versus people knowing the algorithm, but you would acknowledge, I think, that if a ton of SEO specialists know the algorithm, if it was static and didn't move around so much, everybody would be publishing what to do. And that's bad for Google and bad for the industry in general, because if that were the case, 
we would have probably achieved some plateau of stability at some point, but it's constantly changing like a shell game. Because you're, I, I'm not sure why the point isn't clear, but like there wouldn't be a need for SEO specialists if they would just publish the gosh darn rules, do this and you're done. But instead they put a layer of, of obfuscation on it. So what, I don't know why is this, John Locke is nodding his head at me, but like when you go to casinos, you know the odds of the house for every game. And there is a, an advantage of a certain percentage on every game for the house. You accept that as the house vigorous. But yet people play it against chance. With Google, they don't just publish, here's the thing that's happening for every site all the time. They constantly evolve the algorithm and they don't specify exactly what it is that that's helping you or hurting you. They just sort of say, here's some guidelines. And as a result, people then have to go to a specialist who has some magic trick, who knows more or less, and evolve it. And I'm not sure why it's even a like, a, like a squinching the eyes kind of thing. Yeah, I'm not. So I, don't, um, I, I apologize. So n- none of these arguments make good sense to me, and and the analogies don't work for me. Right? Okay. Vegas odds, like it's just different incentives, different ways of making money. Google doesn't really care who. But but regardless of all that, uh, going back to the the original. Um, point. So uh, the this particular statement, at least the thing that Jonathan you linked to in the show notes that you sent us over email, um, I think actually agrees with a lot of your points, Spencer. Which was one of the other challenges that I had. Which is, you know, this when it, when the Google representative mentioned on this particular hangout or call or whatever he was doing mm-hmm. that um, the way your your website looks can have an impact on your rankings. Uh, I mean, two things are true. One, this was not like an update. Right. So it's not like an algorithm update. Google didn't change anything. This person was saying for decades now, how your website looks can have an impact on how well you rank and how people search for you and yada, yada, yada. And it was really meant in a user experience way, at least when I read the show, the the notes. Right. It looked to me like exactly what you're talking about. Right. That that a a more easily usable website is uh, a really good thing for users. And that is also a good thing for search. And that, um, you know, if you stick to conventions uh, if you make your website um, more appealing and you increase your conversion rate and your user happiness rate and people can solve their problems faster on your site, which right. it sounds like is exactly what you recommend as well. So this, I think fundamentally the core of the argument of like Google keeps changing things. Well, well, yes, they do. It's machine learning, right? So machine learning algorithms, the the internet changes, search patterns change, human beings change, and then the machine learning system changes based on the inputs, I want to get some of the other panels oh, okay. using. Yeah. I, 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 and I apologize um, for monopolizing no, time. No, 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 Rand, it's fine. Um, John, what's, what, okay. what's your view yeah, of this? To address, Google wants to keep, they want to retain market share. Uh, so they want to deliver the best results because if they have the biggest market share, they keep people on their search engine and people who are frustrated with SEO will pay for AdWords and they will stay in business. What they've been chasing at least, you know, for, for the last two decades is trying to make the algorithm pick the things that a human being would, what would a human being trust? I can tell you anecdotally, every time that I take a client site and improve the design, their ranking goes up. Um, but John Mueller, he doesn't usually out and out say, like, this is going to have an effect unless it's something that's already 
kind of well-established and accepted by everybody. He tries to get people on the path and he doesn't usually just say like, this is going to help unless it's a widely accepted thing already. And it's not like some secret that they're trying to keep down there. They obviously have some sort of way of measuring how people interact with the site to be able to discern what is a good design or not. Because if you take a site that's built on like GoDaddy Builder or something like that, compared to something that that somebody spent tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars designing, it's going to be a vast difference in how it's perceived by a human being. And that's what he's saying. That is something that I truly believe from the evidence that I've seen working with many different people over different industries. So it's it's not really something that they're trying to play a shell game with the consumer. They're trying to deliver the best result and their means of measuring things and using machine learning data to measure that yeah. gets increasingly better. Well, thanks for that. Heather, um, like normal, um, I partially agree with Spencer, but I partially don't. Um, the thing is, um, I just despise Google. You know, I don't even know why they're given all this power. Why Why some bloody private company has some control over billions of businesses' existence? You know, it's, to me, the whole thing is totally ridiculous. You couldn't write this crap. Um, so what's your view? Because you're one of the brighter people of this panel, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, I think that the the whole thing about SEO is that people have been tricked for years into thinking that you have to do something special to your site to to make it rank better when really all you have to do is design your site properly. Uh, I mean, like there's no there's no magic trick here. It's like make sure that your site like clearly defines what you do in a properly laid out way so that like the reader actually can understand clearly what you do. And like, if, if, if like the average user understands what you do, then, then the algorithms will. And I mean, even like the article that you put, that's basically what the guy was saying. It's not like a magic thing. It's like, if, if the user coming to your site can understand quickly what you do, then so will the robots that come to it and it will rank higher. And if it's laid out well, and if it's a clean site, then like nobody's going to have to like spend an hour trying to figure out because no one will spend an hour on your site trying to figure it out. They're just going to bounce. So, I mean, that's, that's the trick. <laughs> and, but some people have to spend money on a UX expert, on an SEO expert, because they just, they, they can't, they can't describe things properly they they don't understand what their vision their mission their their core purpose is because they just they're just the doers they're not the communicators so i mean that's that's the the voodoo that is seo it's actually being able to communicate to people properly what your business does and if you can do that then you'll rank higher yeah all right i think we'll move on to the next can, can i just ask, i want to make sure there's no like i appreciate rand's thoughts here and i'm not trying to come off like hassling rand but what i want to clarify from what's been said oh, i'm sure it's quite capable of I'm, that I'm very toxic person but it's not an ad hominem thing my point is bringing a full circle from the other comments and even to rand's point 
Google has tools that consumers use, including the page speed rank tool and so forth, that give conflicting and alarmist responses that just like Heather very well said, don't jive with the tangible reality of the differences they will make. I've had people like literally losing sleep because Google PageRank shows their WooCommerce site as an F minus when it sells $100,000 worth of site with no problem at all. That's what I'm talking about. It's like when they said your text messages cost you 25 cents because it does. Well, when Google has a tool that isn't really clear about what exactly does matter to the end result, but rather just says in some hypothetical world of ours, it'd be nice if you had less JavaScript files. Well, the normal person doesn't understand that. So now they have to run to the specialist like a person who sees a mole on their cheek, freaks out and goes to the doctor. Am I going to die? And that's the part that bugs me at the rubber hitting the road level of the, the end user. Google is doing a service where they're a monopolistic company and they put out. That's the essence of my argument, because even in Vegas, the normal consumer can walk in and there's not specialists that you have to talk to to learn what the rules are of craps or blackjack. It's published and it's objective. And the tools they give you do not give you alarmist signals. We need to move on to the next story. Yeah. But I, like, I do. Like, like Google's I, I own do. page doesn't rank as an A on Google speed test. It ranks yeah, below an A. You What's with that? You made your point quite clear. So on, 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 to, on to the next story. Um, automotive, uh, what's it? Automotive requires search WP. And I've got to tell you, we were going to discuss Alice's story, and I did email the change to Rand. Uh, um, but John Locke uh, told me some information about the previous story, and I won't say what it was because I'll get sued. But I... He blew my mind away. You've got to stop doing this, John. Uh, um, um, so we're on to this story. So, John, what is this about, John? This story? Okay, so Search WP. We have projects together where uh, we use Search WP on some sites. Um, John Christopher, uh, one of the very first pioneering uh, plugins, uh, made this because native WordPress search is doesn't always give you what you want. It well, it's crap. It's a, it's, a, yeah. it's an embarrassment that in almost 15 years, they can't bloody sort out even something so basic, isn't it? So anyway, this, this plugin uh, was one of the very first uh, that was uh, all premium plugin. It didn't have a freemium model, wasn't free. Uh, but I believe that he's been doing this since 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, I first heard of this plugin uh, probably like 2014. Uh, Ozzy Rodriguez uh, mm-hmm. came to the meetup in yeah. Sacramento. Ozzy, 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 Ozzy. But uh, yeah, so anyway, it's they have 30,000 uh, subscribers right now. So I think what's happening is with I, I, a theory of mine is like with all the changes in WordPress with Gutenberg and the rest API and all these things, I think it's getting a lot for uh, people who are solo developers, kind of like with advanced custom fields a few weeks ago, same thing. I think a lot of people are like, you know, I can cash this out, give this to um, a team or a company that has a team and they can 
support this. So that's basically what's happened. A lot of acquisitions this year in WordPress. Yeah, sure. So, Andrew, you've just recently bought a load of plugins and that. I have. So what, what's, what do you think about him? Because I think in the article he said he was becoming more and more difficult as, as the plugin got more and more bigger to um, just manage that's exactly, that, that's exactly what Sean Barton was, was facing. You know, he's a single developer, hasn't got a team. I've got a team, so I've got support. We did support on Elegant Marketplace for years. So, you know, we know how to do support nicely, um, even when we get an inverted comma stupid question because in my view there is no such thing as a stupid question if you don't know you don't know and we, we've you know we've got standard answers um and we've got and we're just improving the documentation on 23 plugins one of which has got 39 separate modules you know it's a big one so um you know i understand completely his view of saying right give it to syad um but also it's a kind of a it's, it's a kind of strategic purchase as well for awesome motive i mean they are if i'm not mistaken let me just confirm my thoughts on this um if basically they own all in one seo don't they or is that another one you're right i don't know which one it is but they've got the you know the side empire grows doesn't it you won't come on i keep asking him to come on i keep asking him to come on for interview and he keeps saying no to me but it's a strategic i think it's a strategic thing because they're going to be there's a lot of stuff going around woocommerce right and search wp i've used it and it doesn't actually integrate with WooCommerce brilliantly. You have to do a couple of extra hooks in it. That's fine. Because we're plugin developers as well, we know how to amend plugins as well. You know, so we've actually written our own functions into it as well. But I think it's a strategic purchase. And I think the um backlash about there's there's a few bits of backlash about these bigger companies. Let's not forget they started off with smaller companies, first of all. You know, they they've had to start somewhere. Um, buying these smaller companies and, and making something of them. But but it is because they've invested in their staff. They've got 100-plus staff or 50-plus staff, and they can support these things. They can improve and enhance them, and they can actually monetize them better. I mean, 30,000 users isn't an, an awful lot of users, but 199 bucks a year for the for the single user is actually quite a lot of money coming in so they've 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 purchased a good um arr model and they've purchased a great plugin that is really popular with that's developers that's right. so rand you know you've got your own SaaS, you know um you know support um questions is it the bug bearer is it the thing that sucks a lot of your your teams up um all these support questions rand uh, it can vary widely. So like at, at Moz, we had a big customer support team. You know, Moz was around maybe 30,000 customers uh, paying subscribers and then, you know, a bunch of people on free trials. And yeah, support was a huge um, cost center for the business uh, and, and, and very challenging. But in my opinion, that is because uh, product and engineering were not pulling their weight. And I, you know, I take full responsibility for that, at least during my tenure. Um, as an example, as a counterexample, SparkToro has uh, about 40,000 free users. So people use the free version of SparkToro. And we have um, a little over 
think it's right around 800, 850 uh, paying subscribers. And the support team is me and Casey, and it's less than 10% of our time. So I, I think that is fundamentally because the product is quite intuitive and straightforward and the interface is well-made and the, the, you know, the folks who did our user experience, I, um, Christine Ryu, who, who I worked with, uh, years ago, she did the UX for us. And it, it's just, um, it, it's a question of how easy or hard do you want to make your interface? I think, you know, Spencer made a good point about Google's tools. I, I, I potentially disagree with the reason, the motivation for why Google's tools are, are, weird and broken and give you bad advice. Um, but I definitely 100% agree that they're ridiculous and insane. Well, the, the fact that you, the, I'm sorry to interrupt, um, Brand, but the, the strange <laughs> thing is that a company that's supposed to be promoting this, i.e. Google, all their interfaces, all their products are all shit. They're all ugly interfaces. They're yeah. always tremendously complicated. And their support um, I mean, documentation is unreadable by a normal I, human being. It's, I, I, it just I think, amazes I think we, me. I, I think we'd have to disagree there, Jonathan. But um, I, so, so some of Google's tools, in fact, many of the tools I think that are made for folks like us, 100% agree. And many of the tool Google Flights, Google Maps, uh, you know, the, the Google um, Project Fi, right, which is for consumers, um, Google search, these things are extraordinarily consumer. Yeah, you, are, uh, yeah, you are right. Yeah. But, so, so I, I differentiate between yeah. the serves the expert and serves us. But, but I think, you know, Andrew, you were talking about um, this, you know, the, the support requirements of um, whatever, you know, these, these WordPress plugins and um, was it Gatsby or, or, you know, all in one or these kinds of things. And yes, it can vary widely. If your product is not, you know, beautifully made, Heather, like you described, right, with uh, being able to clearly differentiate yourself, clearly explain your value proposition, clearly explain what the user is supposed to do, clearly explain how to get from point A to point B. If you don't do that well, uh, 100%, you are going to be costing yourself a ton in support. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of SaaS entrepreneurs, myself included, make the mistake of thinking, well, this is just how much support we require, as opposed to if I, very frankly, if I made, if I at Moz had made the engineering team responsible for customer support, almost every customer support issue would have been fixed. Because I can tell you very honestly, when Casey, right, who's who's my my co-founder and and you know runs the tech side of SparkToro, he sees all of the support requests. He answers them until basically I wake up in the morning. And he just fixes them immediately, right? Because he's like, I don't want to get any more support requests. So I'm going to fix this thing forever for everyone. And I totally agree with that. Can I just blow our own trumpet or blow my developer's own trumpet? Because obviously- I, 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 I just want to, I just want to keep the. I, I'm not being rude, Andrew, but I, I want to keep this moving. So, Heather, it's on point. Uh, can we? I want to get yeah. Heather in. All right. Um, so, Heather. Uh, um, How so rude of you, Jonathan! I uh, know I'm not trying to be rude at all. But I, I, I'm going to give you. A, I am going to give you a minute to come back right at the end. Into, don't worry. Right, right. So, Heather, um, you you know you were you on the first team members at Evernote. So, was the interface? 
design? Was it a big thing in your, you know, and did you agree, do you agree, Rand, if you really concentrate on the interface design and that, that kind of solves a lot of the support problems? No, I mean, like the th- the first you first thing you create is always shit, and you're just trying to get something out the door. Uh, and just like everybody's been saying, like the developer that creates the thing in the beginning is just the. I mean, they're generally not the best developer. They're just tr- like they have the idea. Um, somebody like Andrew with a dev team that can take it over. Uh, I mean, like at Evernote, like it's a perfect example. We acquired a whole bunch of things that like had just gotten started and then we made them better and we incorporated them into the better product, the bigger product. Um, and then like we eventually like got rid of the the people that had started out because they just weren't good enough developers, but they came up with the idea. All right. So over to your point. Andrew, you were going to make... Well, no, what Rand was saying is that my developers have been doing the support. You know, we had Elegant Marketplace. We had 100,000 people bought plugins from Elegant Marketplace. So we're used to dealing with support queries on particular plugins. Now, these plugins were and still are being sold on EMP. What I'm saying is because we've improved them, enhanced them, taken all the bugs out within 30 days, let me tell you, they, these guys have worked their socks off, um, we've tripled sales which is just so cool. You know, we needed to, because obviously I've paid money to buy them, you know, so I need, to, I need to get that back as quick as possible. But the point is, is that with the support guys being the devs and having the knowledge of how to do support, if you are doing a product, that is your first thought. I've got a great product. How am I going to support it? Do I want to support it? Sean, does, Sean hates, and he won't mind me saying this live, Sean hates doing support because it distracts him from developing products. That's it. It's not because he hates people. It's just he wants to develop products. He doesn't want to do the support. So and for, Brand's point was very, very pertinent. And for me, like any product is 80% support and 20% development. And like I always come at it thinking of that. So like if, if I'm going to develop something, I always have to think, and then like in that support is marketing and sales and all of that. But I mean, it's like, if you're going to develop something, you have to be like, most of this thing is going to be in customer facing or else you are nothing. Like, cause if you're not spending the time on getting it out there and, and supporting it, then like, <laughs> it's just a product sitting in your, on your shelf. Right. We're going to go for our break. I think it's been a great discussion. And we'll be back in a few moments and we continue. So we've got a great special guest, Rand Fishkin, joining us. And it's been a blast so far. Hopefully <laughs> Rand's enjoyed it. I don't know. Uh, we'll soon find out after the show. Uh, we'll be back in a few moments. LaunchFlows turns your WooCommerce website into a selling machine. We make it easy to create gorgeous sales funnels, no friction checkouts, order bumps, upsells, downsells, and much more. Gain full control over your buyer's journey from the top of your WooCommerce sales funnel all the way to the bottom. Best of all, you can use your favorite page builder, such as Elementor, Divi, Beaver Builder, Gutenberg, or one of the high-converting templates we've included inside. Get rid of the clunky WooCommerce shop pages and checkout process in favor of an optimized buyer flow that instantly increases conversions and makes you more money. LaunchFlows provides one-click order bumps that increase the total value of every sale 
with a 10 to 30% conversion rate. This is perfect for anyone offering complimentary products, training, or extended warranties. With unlimited upsells and downsells, your buyer's journey doesn't need to end at the checkout. Instead, we make it easy to display a series of additional offers as part of the original transaction. This is perfect for one-time offers, related products, mastermind class offers, high-ticket software sales, or subscription supplements. Not an expert? Don't worry. We've got the training and the consultation you need. WP Launchify will teach you how to get the most out of launch flows with personal consultation on WordPress, WooCommerce, marketing automation, and much more. If you want to earn more money with your WooCommerce online business, you owe it to yourself to try launch flows today. We're coming back. I think Rand's enjoying it. He's still smiling. Or was it a grimace? Uh, I'm so sorry. I've had a few. We've had a few guests that just disappeared, Rand, in the second half. Uh, no, you've had guests uh, who came on and just walked out? Yeah, I've had occasional. No, I'm only kidding you. Uh, um, so, uh, um, um, they've told me they wouldn't do. Uh, um, so, uh, on to the next. Oh, God, yeah. Um, what? <laughs> it's a continuous saga, this one as well. What if regulating Facebook fails? The cockroaches of the internet, Facebook. Uh, um, so, Spencer. The beloved Facebook. What what did you reckon about this this uh, this piece, Spencer? Well, as we all know, the the story's not over till it's over. So this is just a federal and state case. That doesn't mean that it's over. This just means that was the first of many shots across the bow. Um, we constantly are talking about the misbehavior of the various trillionaires in our world and their companies and. In the turn of the century, yeah, they all go. They all go into space. I have to ask Sefa if any of them are going to come back. They're all blasting well, that, off next week, aren't they? That's another story because I, I mean, there was a lot of people saying, like, you know, <laughs> hello, you know, going off into space while the rest of us are burning here on the planet is not really great optics. But aside from that, if we look back to the turn of the century, there was, there were a number of, I think, equally proportional wealthy people, the Carnegies and and so forth. And they owned control of all the railroads and the other utilities and so on and so forth. And that was where certain federal laws came into place, like the Clayton Act and the Sherman Act for antitrust. Now, the problem we have today is that, as we've talked about, is that corporations are in bed with the politicians and have one holy idol that they worship, which is shareholder value. Because the uppermost, uppermost, uppermost people only care about spending every last dollar they have to retain the value of their stock portfolio, and they pay the politicians who appoint the judges or get the judges voted in and so forth. So this is a perpetual problem. It is only when the pain reaches the fingers and the toes of the wealthy that things change. And we've talked about this before. Or, or unfortunately, I hope this doesn't occur, or you hit the stage where the masses reach, you know, riot stage. You know, when Florida and California are underwater and the big cities are on fire and all the rest of it, then there's no amount of like ignoring this that's going to work. But at the moment, Facebook is delivering gigantic value. And the people that are making these lower court decisions are in variety of states of politically motivated, financially funded uh, decision making. But it's just not over because we know (laughs) 
That like, as soon as the AI gets better, we know as soon as the mechanical real world matches up with the AI, and then all of that face recognition data and all the privacy data, as soon as real world situations happen, like a mother of six kids is murdered in her house by a police generated robot using Facebook data, then it'll start to get more real. And, you know, it's sad, but that's how it works. And having visited California, it's amazing to me a state with billions of dollars on the ocean with desert on one side with unlimited sun can't figure out how to spend $5 trillion to put a solar array and a desalinization thing in that would essentially provide power and water for the entire country for free after it's paid for. They can't get the political will to do it because the people with the money aren't affected. They're like, look, my water still works in my 14-room mansion. Thanks for that. So um, before we go on the main story, Heather, you know, you're involved in the space, aren't you, to some extent? Um, it's a bit dicey. It's a bit dangerous space. You know, what's the chances of these two tossers coming back um, that are blasting off next week? Is there a good chance that one of them won't actually come back? Well, I mean, all you have to do is is look at um, how many times their individual rockets have blown up. So, I mean, the Blue Origin ones uh, and the Virgin Galactic ones have not had uh, the 100% uh, <laughs> proper landing ratio. So, I mean, I, th- I th- honestly think that, um, I mean, Virgin Galactic's done better, but Blue Origin, not so yeah. great. So, I think Jeff well, Bezos... I'm ashamed to say, I really am ashamed to say this as a quasi-Christian. If he doesn't come back, I won't don't be that. Don't say I'll, it then. Don't just. Yeah, don't I'll, go, I'll say just be honest. I'm just honest. I won't I'm be that. I'm an atheist, and I wouldn't say that. Oh, I'm going to. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. So, I'm not going to be but, that upset if he didn't come back. Be quite truthful. But I think that uh, Richard Branson has a better shot than uh, Jeff Bezos. All right. Yeah, I agree with you. There, it's a bit. Well, he noisy. survived a balloon explosion, didn't he? Did go on, Rand. What are you going to say? Oh no, I just Heather. I'm so curious as to why. I don't. I don't know the the details of it, but I'm just oh, just because of the track record. Like, I mean, I'm not saying that they won't both survive, but I'm <laughs> saying like perfect. I mean, just based on the track record of of the uh, explosions uh, so far, the Blue Origin is not as safe as the Virgin Galactic. Yeah, Heather's got like a little, this is like a Sopranos episode. Hey, it's not like I'm saying there's anything wrong with your rocket. I'm just saying, <laughs> be really careful when you strap in, uh, Bezos. But I mean, I, I, <laughs> it'd be a shame if something happened to you and your brother. Honestly, though, no, no, like every astronaut, anyone that that's an astronaut candidate, like you have like the thought in the back of your head every single time, no matter what that, like, you may not be coming back. Well, if he, if he treats the support technicians like he supports the rest of his fucking staff, there's little chance he's going to come back, is there? So, <laughs> I mean, you guys know he already has cloned his body, and there's another body already waiting if this one gets blown no, up. They're just going to transfer his evil spirit into it. I mean, hey, you know. I've I've always said that um, the last words I'm going to say uh, in my life are... Uh, Hey, robot, transfer consciousness. He's <laughs> well, got conscience, I haven't even got anything. So, Rand, um, so what do you reckon of the cockroaches of the internet, Facebook? Are they going to avoid, uh, you know, any kind of consequences for their continuous crimes against humanity, Rand? Um, 
<laughs> yeah. So let's see. I think that Facebook's big challenge right now is that they don't have, um, even though they have, you know, an unlimited amount of money to put towards lobbying and to, to Spencer's point, um, you know, they can fund a lot of political campaigns. I, I think the challenge is that there are, they have too many enemies, you know, essentially um, much of the, you know, sort of far right, which which sort of um, is the, the the more powerful portion of the Republican Party in the U.S. right now, um, you know, is very anti-Facebook for a whole slew of reasons related to pr- primarily their belief that Facebook doesn't give, you know, whatever Donald Trump and, and sort of their um, uh, representatives um, as much engagement and opportunity for uh, earning fans and and content visibility on, on their platform. Uh, and then on the, on the left, right, which, and the center, there's a lot of belief that Facebook is a, you know, a monopolistic organization and that they are, um, you know, sort of bad for a whole bunch of things, including, um, politics in general, just being able to get people to agree on facts and get along, um, and, and have shared, um, knowledge about a subject, right? I think, unfortunately, Facebook is responsible, along with YouTube, for an overwhelming amount of conspiracy belief and and anti-vaccination, you know, anti-science beliefs and all these kinds of things, right? And so there's just, there's just not a lot of friends. Like, there's no one who Mm, is in Facebook. That's a good way, yeah. That's very insightful, yeah. So, you know, during the Obama administration, for example, you could reasonably say that a lot of the people in power on both the left and the right were in Facebook, not in Facebook's pocket, but were on their side. And they were mostly on their side because they didn't believe them to be antithetical to their goals. And because Facebook paid a lot of money to lobby them and threw them a bunch of fancy parties and sort of helped their campaigns and helped them build, you know, fan bases and all those kinds of things. And that that's no longer the case. So I think Facebook is long term in trouble, even if they short term avoid um, regulation or breakup right now. So before I move it on to another panellist, um, have you got any insight what this fixation about going to space for the billionaire class is about? Is there, is there yeah. anything behind? Uh, there's something in I mean, the I don't culture know. Like about them you... wanting to escape Earth, isn't there? Well, so I think if you... Um, oh, sorry, Heather, go go ahead, please. Well, I mean, I can tell you, like, as somebody that was training to be an astronaut younger, like, there is a, a somebody that there's something about the astronaut ego. Like, you, like, as, like, when you're born with astronaut ego, like, it is like the, you want to take control of the entire world. You want the world to look at you. You want the world to look up. And, um, like, I think, like, whether you're born a billionaire or become a billionaire, at some point, you, your ego crosses into the same area. And like the only thing that that can satiate that is like, I want to go into space. I want to control the world. So whether you become a megalomaniac or you are just like, I want to conquer space. um, Like that's the, that's the thing. So um, Rand, I think there's trouble in the air. I sense I sense something in the consciousness, the the force is troubled, Rand. I sense that um, 
I just sense it in the core of me. What, what, do you yeah. feel the same in the, all these being air types trying to blast off? You know, I, I see it as a sign, really. I mean, it, it's obviously one of these things that I think if you go back, you know, what is it, 50 years, 70 years, you see nearly every American cheering for the space program right? Cheering for astronauts. These people are heroes to us. NASA is this extraordinary organization. NASA still has a very good reputation, right? And and is very, very well liked, not just in the United States, but in many places around the world. And and a big part of why that's true is because of how, how it's funded and created and who's behind it, right? It's essentially, it's ours. We spend tax dollars on it and, and we can you know, benefit from all the technologies that that NASA creates, and we can learn more about the the world that we inhabit and the universe we inhabit. And it's so exciting. And then to see that become privatized is demoralizing. It is, it feels fundamentally unfair because it is fundamentally unfair, right? It's not, these are the best people. It's, these are some people who got lucky in their career, And like many people, they were smart and hardworking as well, but they definitely got very lucky. And then they used their luck to compound the power and wealth that they gained. Um, And now they are able to act with impunity in ways that ordinary citizens cannot. Um, And, you know, there's there's never been a time in the U.S., um, at least not in the past century and a half, when income inequality has been so great. And there's never been a time when there was less ability to move from, you know, lower brackets of income and wealth to higher brackets. So I think fundamentally, you're right, Jonathan, the, the you know, the American dream, right? That this classic thing that's in a lot of people's heads is I may be poor today. My family may be immigrants or they may, you know, I may come from a poor background. But if I work hard and if I do the right things, I can succeed like many other wealthy people. And that, that, that is not true anymore, right? And so I think fundamentally you get this, you know, this is just, this is just an illustration it's, and it's an insulting illustration of that fact, right? Just to have these billionaires who can step down from the companies that they control and own and say, well, I'm, go- I'm going to do, I'm, you know, I'm not just going to windsurf around Hawaii with this, uh, on this island that I bought with the American flag, um, in, yeah, in, in I just sh- want to make it clear to listeners. I, I every week I get emails accusing me of being a communist. I'm I'm certainly not a communist. I, I, love, uh, I think this show uh, this show fundamentally shows me the best parts of capitalism. It does. Right? The best part of capitalism, in in my opinion, is everybody gets to do what they want to do if people find it valuable, yeah. right? Andrew gets to build, you know, WordPress plugins and and t- take on clients and, you know, uh, Spencer and John and Heather and myself and, and you, Jonathan, right? We all get to do these unique and interesting sort of angles of the world. And because if we create value for people, then we get to uh, take those tasks on and, and produce, you know, wealth for ourselves and our families and our employees. I love that. I love that about capitalism. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to say all I want for America is it to become more like Canada. If that makes me a communist, I, I, I don't understand where that's coming from. And secondly, I've always worked for myself almost all my adult life. 
So um, the idea that I'm a, a communist or some... I think it's more of a bit. conscious capitalist. Yeah. Well, capitalism with a human face. Uh, um, yeah, no, con- conscious capitalism like the Quakers. Yeah. yeah. Well, well-regulated well capitalism is, is a, a pretty exciting combination with a healthy democracy. And we've obviously been drifting away from that um, for a while. And it would be lovely to see it come back. I think it, yeah. it sounds to me like all six of us on this call are people who want that and are willing to work toward it. So that yeah, that excites great. me too. So this, um, I'm going to let Andrew, and if John doesn't mind, we go on to our recommendations. Um, so, Andrew, um, what's your thoughts about Facebook? Are, are they are they going to escape any consequences with their well, top, I, top what, I hear, what I hear from this panel and what I hear from a lot of people who are in our business and have reached out to people and built communities and uh, had a relative amount of success um, certainly this year I've invested more than I've earned, but that's, you know, life. That's what you have to do in business. Um, Facebook is part of my success. Twitter is. Google is. Um, without these monopolistic companies and without my knowledge about how to use them to my best effect to build communities of 30,000 plus, to be, you know, members of, of Facebook groups of 22,000 plus and being appointed admins of all those Groups and without that ability to communicate and share and help, which is what it's about in this community that we're we're building, without those tools, we I would definitely not be as successful as I am. I don't like the fact that America, you know, I'm UK based, I'm a I've always described myself, and it's a better saying, I'm going to call myself now a conscious capitalist. I've been a, a capitalist communist for years. I've always shared my, my, my earnings. Not my wealth, because I'm not wealthy, but you know, I've always shared my earnings. I've always said to my staff, you know, you get paid the best that you can, can possibly pay. You can, I'm going to give you training courses. You know, I've just invested in training courses for my devs to make sure that they know exactly what they're doing with the React and all that kind of stuff, because that's growing. I don't like that America is the is the world police in all aspects, from invading countries to to yeah. to to um saying to the globe, right? With Facebook is a global business, right? And it's America trying to close it down because the politicians don't like the fact that the public actually do have a say, whether you're right, left, center, middle atheist, agnostic, religious, whatever. So that's why people want to, that's why these politicians want to close it down because people have actually got a voice. And if you want to, if you want to close Facebook, they do, Rand, they do have a voice. You know, whether you like that voice is, is, is. Yeah, I think think the more intelligent criticism, Andrew, was that the technology that promoted certain stories was viewed and was and the automation rather than using human judgment. It's a bit like having a newspaper, a magazine where you have various author, um, pub, um, uh, authors, and you have an editor. Um, but they were using technology not to have the personal judgment call, and they were saying the actual technology behind the selection and promotion, the promotion element of the technology was encouraging 
more and more extremes to be um, to reach the top, and that. That is the main Yeah, but then do we really want to go back to the days of Yahoo when Yahoo first started? Because mm. I'm old enough to remember where they had 100 or 500 people saying this website's best, right? Yeah. It wasn't an algorithm. It was a human yeah, being saying exactly. this, yeah. this UX is better, this explanation is better. Oh, you're totally... So we, we've got to run it on an algorithm. We've got yeah. to train the algorithm to be... Mm. Um, you're totally right. You're totally right. We do, this is, but we haven't found a solution yet. So there we go. So oh, before before we go on to our recommendations of the week, and if you've got one, Rand, just put it into chat, and Spencer will put it in where it needs to be put. Um, but before that, we um, we were going to do a uh, a workshop this week with Uncle Spencer, but I obviously we had our special guest, and we have. Moved it to next week, but we'll be doing a great workshop with Uncle Spencer. So, Uncle Spencer, what will we be discussing? Why, thank you, Jonathan. In this workshop, Spence and Jonathan will show you how to launch a powerful sales funnel for your membership, e-commerce, consultancy, or e-learning site in minutes. Using just a few key plugins and your favorite page builder, you can create a customer user journey that converts prospects into paying customers with no coding required. Come join us for this lunchtime workshop that will deliver huge value and a few unexpected surprises. There's always a few unexpected when me and Uncle Spencer get together. So there we go. So join Mostly us on the yeah, join us on the 16th around 10:30. It's going to be live on the WP Tonic YouTube channel. So we will. Job. We will. By the way, in all seriousness, we're going to talk about how to use Gutenberg natively for the sales funnel. Yeah, wow, I look forward to that. Naked Still, Gutenberg. Yeah, Heather needs to join us. She's such a fan of it. Uh, um, so we'll go on, <laughs> we go on to our recommendations of the week. So, Andrew, have you got a recommendation you want to share with our beloved listeners and viewers? And you're mooted again, on Andrew. I'm trying to behave myself because, you know. You're not, not doing a good not job, Andrew. You're not doing a great job, Andrew. It's raining. Um, I'm going to do two. One is sycophantic, so apologies about that. But I just had a go at Spark Toro. It's great. You really have a go at it. It's really, sign up for free. It's really quite, you know, I'm going to use it. There's no doubt about it. You might get some of my money. But anyway, that's the, that's the sycophantic one done. But um, the next one is I'm just going to, I'm just going to link, I'm going to pro promote my own products for a change. Yeah, sure. 23 plugins redeveloped over um, from the 10th of May to uh, the 10th of June. And we, uh, Updated them. They're all Divi Visual Builder ready. And uh, our premium plugin, Divi Sorted, is changing people's way that they use blogs and products in Divi as well. So yeah, great. I'm going to recommend my own, my own products. Why not? Yeah, put all, um, panel, put all this into Slack because if you put it into chat, it doesn't store it after the show. Um, Spencer, uh, um, got a recommendation for our beloved listeners. I do. Uh, free and paid is a plugin called turbo-admin.com. Works to make WordPress faster because it gives you essentially a, a drop-down for all those things that you normally have to search for in the admin menu. And by the way, this goes along with another plugin that I recommend and use for every client called um, Admin Menu Editor, but it works differently. Admin Menu Editor allows you, among other things, for free 
to alphabetize the left-hand side WordPress admin menu. Because I don't know about you, but like I'm helping a client or working mm. on a video and uh, products, W-A-Z, like if it's not alphabetical, it doesn't exist in my, you know, 27-year-old brain. This one does similarly where it gives you a search dropdown and you just type huh. product and it just, boom, gives you the link directly to it. So super, super helpful for efficiency. And it seems to be spam-free. Amazing, a product that doesn't alter the core foundation of WordPress. How, is it, how could a plugin with so many users succeed without I just don't know. Have, a, have you got a recommendation? Yes. So uh, we were talking about conscious capitalism today. So there is a great book um, called uh, The Chocolate Wars about the Cadbury family. Um, so I sent the link to that. Uh, it is, uh, yeah, so it's about like all of the conscious capitalists uh, and uh, their history of forming businesses. And it's a great book on entrepreneurship um, at the beginning of the, or the middle of the 18th century or 19th yeah. century. And John, have you got a recommendation you would like to share with the listeners and viewers? Yeah, mine is uh, a website called zindproject.org. And what this is, it's a list of, because uh, this has come up a lot in the news lately. We were talking earlier about how we've gotten away from democracy. Really, the fact of the matter is, is democracy has only really been for all the citizens of the U.S., in the last 56 years, for the most part. Um, well, it's a, joke. it's a joke that on the day yeah. of the nation, national election, it's not a freaking oddity. It's just, yeah. a, it's just a, it's an embarrassing joke, isn't it's it? It's the same in the UK, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, the same, but, yeah. yeah like me and some other people were, you know, have been discussing how a lot of people who look like us on this panel don't the majority of people who look like we look don't know the the a lot of the history of the United States because it wasn't taught in high school or middle school or college or anything like that. This is a list of all the massacres that have occurred in America um, from the beginning up until 2018. And it's it's there's a pattern here that I think that you can detect. Uh, so it's something to check out and just kind of research and edify your own knowledge so that you know the facts yeah, sure. about recorded history. So That's great. So, Ryan, do you got anything you want to recommend to our listeners and viewers? You know, your own yeah, I shared, uh, I shared a couple links. And, John, I think you – did you see them in the chat and, and paste them over? Okay, yes. thank you. Um, so uh, the – First one is uh, a website from uh, a friend, John Saunders, um, who runs an amazing uh, consultancy here here in the States. And I, I might actually recommend him as a guest. He's just a brilliant guy, so thoughtful and, and really sweet. Um, but so John uh, recognized that there was this absolute lack of vector illustrations and sort of il illustrated content, you know, that people use on their websites to represent people. And to John's point, like <laughs> they all look like us, right? They're all white. All the all the illustrations that you, you'd ever see on the web, you know, and the the plugins. And so uh, John commissioned this, um, you know, a bunch of illustrators that he works with to create uh, blackillustrations.com. The great part about this is, well, tons of great parts about it. One, uh, almost all the artists are black, which is awesome. So 
you know, you get to support sort of artists of color who are, who are putting together work that is also supportive and representative of people of color, which are going to be more than half the U.S. population in the next, you know, few years. So, you know, you're, if, if all your illustrations look like us, you're not serving your customer base very well, at least not in the States. Um, and then uh, the second one that I would also recommend is uh, givedirectly.org, which is a um, fantastic organization. Whenever I do events, um, rather than take a, a, a stipend or a payment, I always ask that a donation go to givedirectly.org. They just do um, wonderful, wonderful work around the world and now here in the U.S., um, basically providing uh, direct payments and income to people who need it most. And the you know they do these great tests it's very evidence driven and you can see there's almost no overhead of this charity uh, they just give money directly to people and people use that money to improve their lives and get education and get themselves out of debt and just give themselves opportunity uh, it's very exciting to see it's a great example of capitalism sort of working well again what a, what a shocking nonprofit a terrible idea actually help people you know, no give people money that's a crazy no, idea give them a lift up rather than kicking them UBI. Instead of kicking them in the bollocks, you give them a hand up, you know. Uh, very un-American, isn't it? I do think, Andrew, I do think of, of Give Directly as a bootloader for UBI. That, fingers there crossed. Go. There we go. Um, it's been, I think it's been a great show. Hopefully, Rand will agree to come back. I think he's enjoyed it. Um, if you really want to support the show, um, there's two things you can do, um, listeners and viewers. Um, go to iTunes Play or whatever they're calling it at the present moment and leave us a review. It really does help the show enormously. Good bad or indifferent and I regularly look at them and if it's an amusing review I will read it out on the show and the second thing is um, join our Facebook group um, it's WP Tonic Mastermind um, Andrew's going to be helping me extensively on the group and all the panel most of the panel are admin if you've got any questions about WordPress WordPress business or anything to do with WordPress, it will be the premier resource for you to go. Please join the fact the tribe and join the discussion. We'll see you next week for another great roundtable show. Thank you for listening. We'll see you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 